Welcome to episode eight of the Helpful Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Luke Pierce, and we are back with the second episode, part two of Dr. Indigo Vasquez. I am once again joined by Scott Dodd, and we are going to be interviewing Indy on the importance of gut health and what all that means. So sit back, relax, stay for a while, and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Helpful Huddle Podcast. I am your host, Luke, and we are back with Dr. Indigo Vasquez and my good friend, Scott Dodd. Say hi to the people, everybody. Hello. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Um, And we are bringing Dr. Vasquez and Scott back because we didn't get to finish our conversation last time. We had the idea of trying to discuss CNS recovery and gut health in one episode and it just wasn't working it would have never worked we would have been here for hours so we are back for our gut health episode and this is a subject that i think a lot of people are interested in but also know zero about so i'm super excited for this i know zero about it i know scott knows a little bit about it but you had the fortune of working with dr vasquez i'm sorry indy (laughs) yes (laughs) Thank so, you. <laughs> so I'm ready to just hop right in. How do you guys feel? Yep, let's do it. Feeling good. So I, I want to start off broad with this subject. And Indy, will you just explain what we mean by gut health when we're talking about it today? Yes. So gut health, it's complex, right? Everything I say is complex. <laughs> but um, the easiest way to explain it is the ability to break down foods, metabolize the energy that comes from those foods and utilize them as medicines and and energy in in particular, right? So ideally we wanna have um, good gut health so that we have good mood, so that we can sleep well, we can uh, perform well at our sport. Um, So that's the simplest way I can uh, define gut health. I appreciate it. And every time I've heard the phrases, I guess, gut health that refer, I don't even know what it means. I feel like it typically means when I've heard it's like, oh, my, maybe I'm not, don't have as the projected metabolism that I should have, or I'm, or maybe there's some like, maybe an intolerance that I have that I didn't used to have. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the ways that I've heard it. Scott, have you heard it in a different way? Yeah, I think, you know, when you think about gut health, and I, I know Indy and I are going to talk about this at, at some point through it, she's a big fan of the AIP protocol, and she utilizes that for a lot of her patients and, and clients. Um, and it's not necessarily like a whole 30 where you're restricting, you know, everything, and then potentially like looking back to see what is causing some of those sensitivities so that we know what not to eat even after resetting the gut. Um, But I think like a a big phrase you're going to hear probably both of us say a lot today is gut microbiome. And it's taking care of the the environment of your gut and making sure that it's in the most stable place so that you can process foods correctly and metabolize the foods and and actually get the full use so that you're not just wasting all of the nutrients that go in and out. So would you say that's a a pretty decent way to kind of continue on the path that you were going, Indy? Oh yeah. That's way better than what I said. So again, like part of that is, is one, like I also have a nutrition certification, but I do not have near the, the depth of knowledge 
And a lot of my knowledge also came from, from Indy too. Like her being able to water down what I just said is why she's so good at what she does. So I'm excited to, to dive in with that. And I know we talked about this a little bit and that kind of leads into the, the first question that I really have for you too, Indy. Um, you know, our last conversation was mostly about central nervous system health and how to take care of that. So with the fact that like being able to utilize those nutrients correctly, like let's kind of dive into how gut health and taking care of that microbiome or the environment of your gut kind of leads to helping with your central nervous system too, because mm-hmm. those things kind of go hand in hand and your gut is kind of like your second brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you dive in and kind of elaborate on that, why your gut is like your second brain and how a good gut health can actually help with things like anxiety and depression and, um, you know, taking care of your central nervous system. I think that's where I kind of want to get started and then trickle down questions from there. Right. So most of our neurotransmitter health comes from our digestive system. We know now that 95% of our serotonin production comes from our, our, our gut, right? So when we talk about gut microbiome, you've got, you know, most of your body is made up of bacteria and, you know, a host of other things, but it is uh, the communication, uh, a super highway leading to the brain and vice versa. So there's really no um, in natural medicine, a disseparation between the two. Like we are one entity and you re- we really can't separate the, the gut from the brain because it's, it's the same thing, right? Whatever is happening in, in the environment, the small and large intestine is going to directly affect how you feel, how you sleep, how you manage stress, how you metabolize information. So we really have to be uh, cognizant about what we're, we're doing to protect our gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. And now is it, the, it's the vagal nerve that also goes down to the digestive system, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you think about that, you have a nerve that runs all the way from the brain to your stomach. Mm-hmm. So if those two things are connected correctly, then that's going to give your body quite a, quite a weird response, right? Oh, yeah. And, and just one surge of anger can alter your gut microbiome. You know, one surge of happiness and joy can alter your gut microbiome as well. So we have to be careful about, about, you know, how we metabolize the day, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if you're driving into work and you're pissed off because somebody cut you off on the I-25, <laughs> yeah, that you have to metabolize that for the rest of the day one, and it's going to affect your digestion. The more stressed you are, the slower your digestive system is. Yeah. Like you said, you know, the stress response system is going to either slow you down on purpose, mm-hmm. or it's going to allow rest and digest. Gotcha. For everybody not in Colorado, I-25 is the highway that gives you the most headaches that runs through Denver and has terrible traffic 24-7. It's, uh, so, <laughs> it's, a, it's a, yes. So, so before we try to figure out how to fix gut health, what are some of the best ways to test it? Because like how, like what are some signs and symptoms? And if I see these signs and symptoms, how should I test to see where my gut health is currently at mm-hmm. before I try to find a solution? So I always ask my patient, do you burp after you eat? Do you have gas and bloat? Those are the main ones. If you are burping after you're eating, uh, okay, that can be multifactorial, but you shouldn't be having gas and bloat after you eat. You shouldn't be burping a lot after you eat. That's an indication of low stomach acid. 
and that you're not digesting your food very well, you're not chewing your food very well. We want to make sure that you're having, you know, one to two bowel movements every single day. And, and I have patients all the time. They're like, no, my doctor said every third day is, is fine. You know, Exactly. I'm like, who, why would they say that? Every day is good. We should do that every day. Multiple times a day. <laughs> so those are the, the, the most safe indicators that there's an imbalance in your digestive system. Okay. How we test it is, is also really neat because we can do SIBO testing. We have GI mapping. We've got um, gut zoomers. There's m many ways that we can do uh, diagnostics for gut health. Okay. So can you break down a couple of those tests for us and what Please. those <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's do like a gut zoomer or a GI map. I love a GI map. So what GI mapping does, it's the, one of the most comprehensive ways to identify your gut microbiome health, as well as pathogen burden, E. coli infection, see, you know, bugs that aren't supposed to be there. And essentially you, you collect stool samples over a course of a couple of days and you mail them in and the, in the, uh, the company um, gives you your data. Um, that's usually what I'll use outside of, of course, my scan. Um, mm -hmm. I try and keep a conservative approach in terms of the cost that it takes to diagnose these types of things. But it's yep. honestly really safe to say that probably everybody's got some form of leaky gut or gut inflammation and you need to work on healing the the, you know, the mucosal lining around the digestive system, first and foremost, you'd feel a lot better, probably that doesn't require any diagnostics. Yeah. And leaky gut typically will lead to other autoimmune issues, correct? Yes. Okay. So Go what ahead. do you mean by leaky gut? Yeah. So leaky gut means that there has been substantial amount of damage due to inflammation or, you know, oftentimes inflammation to the, the protective barrier in the digestive tract. So it, it opens pockets, um, allowing food, bacteria, and things to enter into the bloodstream. Once those things enter the bloodstream, the immune system is uh, going to come after that, right? So you're gonna have an upregulation of immune function. Um, and that's where you'll see autoimmune thyroiditis, for instance. Got it. Yeah, it's like, it is so weird how everything is. Like, obviously, like we t in the last episode, we talked a lot about energy and like what goes in and comes out. And like the the more that you can't dive into it and how like the quantum physics of things almost goes into like the anatomy, like the human body is such a, a <laughs> crazy machine. All along. It's and, cool. for sure. And I think like we're going to kind of like this is kind of a segue into the, the next form. Yeah. This question. Um, but when we look at like what we put into our body right? Like if I'm a, a diesel engine and I'm utilizing unleaded fuel, then my engine's going to get pissed off. So it's like, we have to make sure that we're taking care of this uh, and make sure that we're consuming the right things. Um, you know, Andy, because I've worked with you, you know, and known you for years, I know a lot about like the IP protocol and what you do. And, and so I kind of want to dive into that just a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, if you could run us through kind of what AIP is, what it means, why you utilize it, some of the benefits, and kind of how you you kind of use that system to start to reintroduce foods to see what actually is causing issues in people's system, and how do we mm -hmm. build a good solid foundation of, of nutrition and a good diet around some of those those precautions, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
AIP is autoimmune paleo, right? So most, I mean, unfortunately, autoimmune diseases are incredibly becoming a problem, incredibly. So I like to use that first and foremost, because although it's very restrictive, um, it has been shown in studies to be one of the most effective ways to eliminate uh, inflammatory environments in the body, you know, even reverse autoimmune disease. That's how I, that's how I put my Hashimoto's into remission. So what we're doing is pulling all the possible inflammatory foods out of the body, giving it time to heal in that time of the, it's a six week phase one, right? So we are using a lot of uh, gut healing supplementation like uh, zincs and slippery elm and glutamine. Uh, and, and we're allowing the body to take a rest. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to bring back in one food at a time, one whole food. I don't want to bring in any processed foods or sugars. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're missing egg, for instance, you'll take egg three times a day for three days. And then you're going to identify, do, do I have anxiety? Do my joints hurt? Am I tired? Is there depression, you know, sneaking back in? That's an indicator that, you know, maybe you're not ready to consume a high sulfur higher histamine food like that and that's okay we take it back out and we just need some more gut healing right that's the best way to actually identify your true food sensitivities no no food sensitivity test is going to do that the data on food sensitivity testing is clearly saying like we you should not be using that as a diagnostic tool gotcha so, so I guess for me, breakdown, because that does sound very similar to a Whole30 approach. Mm-hmm. Right? What is different from Whole30 compared to like autoimmune paleo? So Whole30 is less restrictive than AIP. Okay. It is. AIP is very, it's like no nightshades, no nuts and seeds, no grains, no eggs, no alcohol, no sugar, you know, uh, no lentils. You're, you're basically eating root vegetables and high quality meats certain fats uh, for six to eight weeks. I had a quick question that is along the same lines, but definitely not. But you've mentioned a couple times, I think both on camera and off uh, the supplement glutamine. Mm -hmm. What, what's the benefit of that being specifically for gut health? Because I think I've always heard it in a recovery aspect, but Mm -hmm. never in a gut health aspect. Awesome. Yeah. Glutamine helps cool down and repair the mucosal lining of the digestive system. Fun fact also is that if you're struggling with sugar addictions or, or other addictions, you can use L-glutamine to help calm those, those cravings down. Mm-hmm. So it, you, it, you know, I don't always use L-glutamine. There are contraindications for some people. Um, you'll know if you're, if you're not methylating well, or you're not ready, your body's not ready to detox. Glutamine will make you feel really yucky. So with all mm. supplements, it's like, yes, use under supervision. And then how do you feel? I can tell you all day, this is the, the protocol, right? It's great protocol, but maybe not for you. So mess mm. around with it, you know, but glu- and, and that's what glutamine does is it heals the gut microbiome. <laughs> it cools down the gut. Got it. Um, you know, er- earlier, I guess, as, as we began with that conversation, right, the the fact that autoimmune diseases are coming around so much these days. 
and this kind of ties into the, the whole CNS thing too, but like, why do you think autoimmune diseases are becoming such a problem today? Cause I feel like I kind of know this answer and it's with how we create food. The fact that all foods are processed, obviously when we talked about like sleep and, and how you take care of your body in the last episode that we were all on. Um, but how, like, <clears throat> I know that's a broad question, right? That's a very probably big answer. So in, I mean, in your years of, of doing this and in this kind of work, why do you think that's becoming so and more like more and more prominent in the last few years? I have seen a rise in mycotoxin infection, molds, mm. molds, heavy metals, not teaching um, anyone how to detox properly mm -hmm. and not teaching patients how to manage stress. You have a, a combination, it's a trifecta, right? You've got an autoimmune disease uh, will be sparked by trauma mm -hmm. mixed with toxic load mixed with nutrient deficiency. And now your body's, you know, going at war with itself because it's so toxic. Yeah. When you look at a lot of like common vices for people, when they get into those trauma states, it's alcohol, it's THC, it's, you know, whatever it may be, those are things that are going to spike cortisol and mess with your sleep cycles and, and everything in between. So they, they typically will go like hand in hand together. Um, so that kind of makes sense. And, I, and again, weird segues into the next question. <laughs> that I have. Um, but like, what are some of the common habits that you see in, in most people that will typically have some sort of autoimmune issues or, or even poor gut health in general? Um, what are some of the first steps that you take in fixing those things? Standard habits are not allowing yourself to relax. Most, most people have gone so fast for so long. I mean, literally since childhood that they are in burnout. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should probably take potassium. You might feel better. You know, I take all hydration. I'm, I'm sipping my kombucha right now. Oh, oh yeah, Glitch has a nice hydration formula, so I make sure that I take that daily. Good, excellent. Yeah, staying yeah. hydrated. Yeah, I mean, we have a tendency to be so adapted to how crappy we feel that we don't even address that our gut is a wreck for 15, 20 years until it actually shuts us down because now we've got colitis or we've got, you know, a diagnosis of Hashimoto's. So, you know, we, we tend to take for granted, you know, I'm just going to sneak a little uh, treat here and there, take for granted that I'm not going to drink enough water or, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna get my six hours of sleep because I feel good. I, I am the one, you know, you, you get those people that are like, I would do fine, five hours, whatever. <laughs> no, there's- Corey Gregory made a brand on, I only sleep five hours a night and I go to the gym at 4 a.m. and like, all right, man. Like- yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the data on that? Have you seen uh, what happened? Oh man, you should read how dangerous it is. To yeah. get less than six hours of sleep a night, what it does, it's a 50% increase in cancer risk. Oh, wow. Right? There is 0% chance that you will have some sort of uh, chronic disease to manage. Right? So yeah. you will be you will be having some some problems. Seven to eight, eight to nine would be even better for athletes, if not more. Yeah. If only. If we can get seven. If we can get seven, it's like we're, we're doing it. <laughs> seven. Seven plus is my goal each night. So. Yes, I'd be happier if you said, let's say eight. 
Okay, so we're gonna work on eight. <laughs> we're gonna we won't even talk about me. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm closer to six, six to no. seven. <laughs> yeah. Yes, rookie no. numbers got to bump those numbers up. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, we can um, talk about that if you struggle to sleep. Let me know. <laughs> another episode, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's also about to have a kid soon, so that sleep is not gonna. Oh no! Yeah, yep. going down. There oh, you yeah. go. <laughs> let's, get yeah. let's go. Four, let's go four hours and go to the gym. Yep. And work all day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Back that volume down just a little bit, Luke. So one RMs every time I go in. <laughs> oh my. Um I, I so I do have a few questions too, as far as like some of these. I don't even want to say diets, right? Because I think people use that word so incorrectly. Your diet is just the food that you consume right. on, on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so people call dieting limiting food, which is dumb to me because you diet regardless of if you change your intake whatsoever. There are a lot of fad diets that are out there. And I think one that has become popular over the last probably 10 years has been that intermittent fasting. And we know that there are benefits to fasting. Can you break down some of the, maybe the fallacy that goes into intermittent fasting? Because people talk about like hormone production or this, that, and the other, like, obviously it's good for your gut to take a break every once in a while, but are there some benefits that you see to intermittent fasting? What are some of like the hoaxes that you see with intermittent fasting and then break down just fasting in general and what that can do for gut health if you're actually doing a fast correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> Fasting can be used uh, well if done correctly, right? We want to make sure that the patient is ready to do fasting. Most of the time, women who have hormone imbalances or people who are chronically stressed out or people who tend to undereat should not fast. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that blood glucose is balanced. We want to make sure that hormones are supported properly. Patients who have thyroid-related diseases like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, that type of thing, should not. they really shouldn't fast. Um, so you can always talk with your, your medical provider, your functional medicine person on how to do that safely, because you can, you know, I'll use fasting, um, when a patient is ready and they, they're eating enough in their open window and where we can still use gut healing, um, product like L-glutamine, essential amino acids, you know, healing teas to keep you in your fast while you're taking a break from digesting food. There is also some really neat um, stuff that happens like autophagy, right? So you're shedding um, dying and cancerous cells from your body. You're, you've got an upregulation in cognitive health. You have just amazing upregulation in growth hormone production. There's really great things that happen, but it has to be done correctly. And it really should be taken uh, patient by patient. Mm-hmm. I had a quick follow-up question with that. Like you talked about like feeding window Mm -hmm. and I under, I understand what that means, but is there a proper, I'm sure there is, is, what is the proper kind of protocol for intermittent fasting? Is it like, I don't even know what I've heard, like 16 and eight or something like that. And then how does it work to carry on with that? How does it work? Like with when somebody gets their exercise in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it depends. There are multiple types of fasting windows that you can use off. Yeah, 16-8 is usually uh, the most common. 
when I recommend intermittent fasting, I'm always going to ask my patient to break their eating or their fasting window gently with some warm water and lemon and salt, you know, do a higher fat, higher protein meal. Don't be, um, you know, slamming your body with carbohydrate as you're coming out of your fast. You really don't need to do that. In terms of exercise, I have a different relationship around fasting and exercise. It's, it really depends on the patient, right? Or what time they're working out. I have uh, um, professional swimmers that do not like to eat before they swim. And, and that's okay. I'm not going to push them to do that. But I do have, you know, athletes that I'm going to ask, can you please do some carbs before and after you lift? We want to make sure that your hormones are supported, making sure that your performance is protected. So it just really depends on the athlete, I think. What do you, have you, what's your opinion on that, Scott? I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like everybody's body is going to respond in a little bit different light. Mm-hmm. So in the times that I would like personally do intermittent fasting, um, I did a 10 to two window of not eating. And so I trained all of my morning clients and then I would do, um, this is kind of a lifetime plug. I would use the, um, what is the carb? You can. That- no, you, you can, can. I, would, I would do you can aminos and pre-workout and and mix that together and that was kind of like making sure that my blood sugar was going to stay level mm-hmm. while i got my workout in and then i would immediately go have um a meal that had protein and carbs in it just to replenish my glycogen mm-hmm. uh, and again like i'm i'm more of like lifting based in my exercise routine i'm not a high endurance athlete by any means so i'm not going out and running miles and miles and miles so like I, I needed to make sure that my sugar was, was staying level. Um, I think that's a good point too, though, to talk about how, like, you know, make sure that you're not breaking your fast with like donuts and high sugary things, because part of the the goal in fasting is to level off your insulin levels mm-hmm. and make sure that, you know, everything is kind of staying kosher there. Um, so what are, what are some of the benefits that we see with like the intermittent fasting? Obviously, like your, your gut is getting a little bit of a reset from mm-hmm. not digesting things at all times throughout the day. Um, but what are some of the other benefits that you see as far as like hormone regulation and um, the healing process too? Yeah, so we can see an, an increase in growth hormone, which is really uh, important. Um, cognitive sharpness, I get that a lot where people just feel more connected, more grounded, um, able to think more clearly um, you know, their uh, bowel movement regulation is a big one, um, detoxification. So they just feel better. They feel like they can metabolize better. Their, their, uh, body can exercise, um, in a higher, at a higher level in terms of their performance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of benefits to it. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and honestly, I've, I've never heard anything bad about intermittent fasting i think people just give it some false Mm -hmm. like maybe some false benefits with it right Mm -hmm. so um as far as like fasting as a whole what are some of the other protocols that you've used right because like we talked about the 16-8 window i know some people will do just like 24 hours once a week like what are what are i guess some of the the benefits in doing it in a, in a different way or some people even do like a 48 hour fast yeah yeah i've heard of five and two like five days on two days fasting and, and even if we take like um derek for example that we worked with at lifetime like you kind of helped him out with a was it a five day fast mm-hmm. 
Okay. So like, can you break down the differences and, you know, some of those protocols and then why you would recommend one versus the other based on who you're working with? Yeah. If my patient wants to do an extended fast, like the five day fast, we're going to talk about, okay, safety in terms of keeping your body hydrated, right? Because we want to make sure that the brain is still receiving the nutrients it needs to function optimally. That's the most important thing, right? So when I have an extended fast like that, I'm going to be pushing a lot of minerals. Um, I'm going to be pushing a lot of um, teas like dandelion root tea, um, things that will ginger tea, things that provide a lot of minerals when you're drinking um, the fluid and then not working out uh, at the level that you typically do, not doing an extended like sauna time. You know, I, I don't want to increase sweat while I'm not taking in enough calories. And I certainly don't want to stress my nervous system out when I'm not consuming enough proteins, fats, and carbs um, um, during that time. So you can use it as a really neat way to come back to yourself mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, you're going through a hard, uh, stressful uh, work week or you're, you're, you've experienced a loss or grief. Fasting is great for, for helping your soul body reconnect with yourself if we're talking about the spiritual part of it um we know what that does in the physical which is the the healing of the gut the um giving the body a, a rest period so it can focus on uh, regenerating tissue versus just trying to get through the day you know yeah and i think if like if we talk about the spiritual part of things too that's probably a good time to do some meditation or mm -hmm. prayer or, or you know whatever your your style of it is in like looking inward too. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, you can re reestablish a relationship with food that you didn't have prior to your fast, you know, a new respect. Because imagine eating an apple coming out of a five day fast. Holy smokes, it's going to be a delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a sugar rush that you ever had. In oh my life. God. Oh, you know, it's like, oh my, you forget how delicious whole foods can be because we, we, uh, are so bombarded with this uh, processed food environment. Yeah. So, and I know because we've had conversations over and over and over. Let's talk about prepping food, mm -hmm. right? So, like, yes, like here are all the things that food does for us. Here's how to try to create a better relationship with food. You know, we talk about making sure we're eating whole foods and not processed foods. But even with whole foods, we've got some problems now because of how they create them, how they grow them, the mm -hmm. bacteria that you see on it, the insects that are in there so like i know that i'm not the best about this how should we be watching our fruits ah. our fruits and vegetables washing our rice making sure that we're taking yeah. care of our water because natural water from like the faucet is terrible you've mm -hmm. got to filter it so like what are some of those steps that you take to make sure that even the whole foods that we're consuming can be as good as possible mm -hmm. you know me so good so yeah. <laughs> i am a freak about <laughs> washing your fruits and vegetables in <laughs> baking soda yes <laughs> and i push baking soda because there's studies on it right so studies show that baking soda wash is the best way to neutralize pathogens right um and you do you have to you are consuming i don't i don't care i've gotten the argument well it's organic it what it still comes from <laughs> the dirty environment yeah. so you need to wash your fruits and vegetables you are consuming mold bugs, E. coli, pathogens. How are you supposed to get better if you're eating beautifully 
how are you supposed to be getting better if you're also consuming microsporum and other pathogens at the same time, right? So it takes just a second. It's easy. You just fill up a, a bowl of water or even a clean sink with filtered water. I just dump a bunch of baking soda in there, agitate it, dump my fruits and vegetables in there, and I let it sit for 15 minutes and I rinse nice uh, or I rinse well. And you can taste the difference. The, the, the produce tastes better. Yeah. Also on the organic versus like regular, I think when people say that they have no idea what they're talking about, right? Like, mm -hmm. so, so growing up on a farm in Indiana, plus like my best friend in college, his brother-in-law runs the second largest farming operation in the state of Indiana. Organic is just no casing around the seed and they still have to spray everything so that insects don't eat it all what we have now with the like modified seeds is all of that stuff in the casing that goes around the seed so that it grows through it. So either way, you're getting a ton of chemicals around all of Thank your you. food. Make sure that insects don't eat it. So when people say, don't worry, it's organic. That's not what that means. That doesn't mean it's healthier. That means they just have to spray it with chemicals rather than having the chemicals already planted. Yes. So, so either way, wash your fruits and vegetables, please. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, rice too. Make sure that you rinse it until there's no no settling at the bottom. Yes, rice is some of the. It's one of the greatest way to get arsenic. Right, it is so dirty, and and there are right ways to do it. You know, there's studies on that too. You know, but you really want to ideally rinse it and, until it runs clear. I like to soak my rice. Mm -hmm. Um overnight I do I do my my baking soda wash with my uh filtered water and you could see oh my gosh how much stuff comes off of that rice so mm -hmm. you gotta you have to and it's I I really want people to take this seriously because you get tired I know there's a lot that you have to do just to be healthy yes we do unfortunately we're at the point now we have to do these things and if your child is struggling with focus and, you know, they're having some some uh, mood related uh, problems and they can't sleep, they probably have heavy metals and molds, pathogens in their gut. So we if we're going to to keep ourselves from suffering like this, especially children, we've got to make that crucial step. So you're telling me I can't just diagnose my kid as ADHD and give them Ritalin, Vyvanse or Adderall? No. Oh, that just seems like an easier fix. Though. It does, though, with the iPad. Just, <laughs> just give them the iPad. <laughs> oh, my Lord. That's yeah, a, that's and, a, and that's the thing, you know, is is I had a patient who reached out to me and she's like, my kid is borderline ADHD. Mm -hmm. And he's six, seven years old. And I'm like, okay, you know, like one, he's probably needs to be. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, why don't we address nutrient deficiencies? Why don't we look at his belly? And he stopped stop using that ADHD. I get it. I know that it's a real problem, but I mm -hmm. feel like it's over, over diagnosed. You know, what's the actual yeah. root cause as to why your child is having mood related imbalance? Yeah. You know? Also with that, like, uh, again, maybe he's just a seven-year-old. How many seven-year-olds do you know that sit still? Not a I, single I, one. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. No. Okay. Um, no, I, I wanted to touch on that just because that's something that, like I know you and I have talked about plenty of times. It's all over your Instagram stories too. Every every time you're cooking, it's it's rinsing everything. <laughs> out 
out of the water. Yeah, people tag me. <laughs> look, mom, look what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so like, let's say, you know, let's say I notice like, I, I'm going to take this in, in two different directions. So like, first off, I'm just a, like a, an individual. I enjoy my exercise. Like I'm having healthy bowel movements. What should I be taking in order to support my gut mm -hmm. just to make sure that everything's strong, like probiotics, digestive enzymes? When should I take a digestive enzyme? Um, you know, glutamine, which can help with some of the recovery aspects also because it's helping with cooling down the gut microbiome like we talked about earlier. Like what are some of the staples that, that you think everybody should be taking? Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to go for immunoglobulins. Okay. Immunoglobulins are... Um, very important for overall gut health. I am I I am going to use L-glutamine for some people, but I push glycine more. Oh. Glycine has um, amazing properties outside of what glutamine can do. It's neuro uh, neurocalmative. It can uh, support exercise performance. Um, I'm always going to uh, push slippery elm, like a combination. I use a product called GI Restore. So I use uh, zinc carnosine, slippery elm, quercetin, L-glutamine in a powder form. Uh, and, and really, that's the foundation. And then we say, okay, now what is your unique imbalance? If you're having uh, gas and bloat after you eat, yes, I'm going to put in a full spectrum um, enzyme support. I use now super enzyme because it's got ox bile and a little bit of betaine. Then I'm going to always rule out low stomach acid because it's so common. So, and that's done through, uh, um, you know, a little procedure that you do in the morning. Um, you drink some baking soda water and you, then you text me how long it takes you to burp. And if you don't burp at five minutes, then we actually need to supplement with betaine hydrochloric acid because a root cause is to, to your gut issue is actually low stomach acid. I'm glad you touched on that too, because that's, that's one that I think most people aren't aware of is how easy it is just to test your, your stomach acid and how easy it is to fix low stomach mm -hmm. acid. And how uh, common it is. Yeah. That trains in the background again. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let's say, you know, I do the baking soda test. I find out that I have low stomach acid. I know that I need to be taking you know, betaine hydrochloric acid. Um, What's that protocol kind of look like to fix my stomach acid? Because it is such a, a quick fix that most people are unaware of. Yeah, yeah, and it eliminates a lot of symptoms uh, very quickly. But we have to be cautious because we want to make sure, are you struggling with gastritis? Do you have H. pylori? Have you been or have you been told before um, that you've um, had an ulcer? Those mm -hmm. things are contraindicated. You do not want to add uh, betaine hydrochloric acid to a gut that is inflamed. You want to cool it down first. Um, if those things are not a problem, then you'll take betaine, you know, one to two capsules uh, right before you eat or right after you eat. Mm -hmm. The old school of thought is, okay, take, uh, take capsules until you feel a burning or a light sensation, like a light, you know, menthol type sensation in your uh, gut or your esophagus. And we have learned that that's not good. That's damaging. So that's too much <laughs> stomach acid. So that's like old school use of betaine hydrochloric acid, where I'm going to say 1500 milligrams max uh, at, at each meal, each, you know, higher protein meal. If you're doing just a salad, you don't need to take betaine. You probably just need to stick with an enzyme. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I know that like we've talked about the older protocol before, but that makes sense. If you're just throwing acid back into your body, it's like, mm, we don't necessarily like this. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. 
Are we ready for this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's go into the the opposite, I guess, because you said cooling down the gut. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that I have low stomach acid. I find out that I have gut inflammation. What should I do in order to cool down the gut so that I can then restore my stomach acid and hopefully get everything back to, you know, to to kosher? Mm -hmm. Cooling down the gut always starts with your food. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to use um, foods that are very healing. I use a lot of bone broth, warm mm-hmm. foods. Um, you know, we want to cook, make sure our food uh, or excuse me, our vegetables are steamed. We don't want to take raw vegetable. We want to make sure that our our meats are higher quality. So that's the easiest way to cool down a gut very quickly is to remove all the things that aggravate it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're probably doing a lot of aggravating all day, every day for years so imagine taking that away how quickly you'll feel better and then we're going to say okay so what kind of supplementation do i need as my unique body needs uh to help uh make this healing process quicker and that's where we get to the slippery elm and the you know the the potions and the powders and things and i don't push heavy supplementation first i will use it if i have to but i really want to advocate you finding your relationship with food in a more healthy way, you know, hydration, uh, and, and eating whole foods again. That's, that's uh, the first step. A hundred percent. And I, I had a buddy that I worked with who was a nutrition coach down in Texas. And, um, he always used to say that if you don't treat food as medicine in your younger years, you will be taking medicine as food in your older years. Mm-hmm. That's something that has, has definitely stuck with me when you think about how to build a relationship with food. And, you know, I think people use supplementation as a crutch and, and being a trainer or, you know, when people ask about like lifting or whatever, like what kind of supplements do you take is their first question. It's like, well, I maybe drink a protein if I don't get as much protein in through the day, but I make sure that I get my water. I have a vegetable with every meal. I make sure that there's carbs and fats and, and or my bad, carbs, fats, proteins and, and veggies. And like, I, I feel like we try to overcomplicate what a diet should be or what mm-hmm. nutrition. Should be. There's so much just hogwash on social media today of like, you should be doing keto. Everybody should intermittent fast. You should be doing paleo. Uh, I do carnivore diet and I don't eat vegetables at all because they're too high in carbs. Excuse me. What? Like there's just so much crap on the internet today. Well, like if you had to simplify nutrition to you know, here's what every, like everybody needs to be doing X, Y, and Z. What are those small things that mm-hmm. can just make sure that you have a steady foundation and what your diet is supposed to look like? Right. And, and nutrition therapy, they, they do, they overcomplicate it. You know, um, it does become complicated when you're, you're working with disease management, but balance is key. You need vegetables, you need meat, and you need healthy fats. That's the the simplest way to find balance is to consume whole foods as much as you want. I mean, yes, we can get into the argument of lectins and all this, but you know, in terms of uh, anti nutrients and vegetables, that's the argument that they're making now. Um, and and it's just let's not focus on that yet. Let's just reestablish our relationship with, with eating healthfully, you know, enjoying carrots again, enjoying cooked broccoli with, with cauliflower. How can we make that fun? Because people there's like this, 
a lot oftentimes we're like well it's so boring well if it's boring then you're not doing it right you need some spices you know it could be really yummy so protein fats and carbs whole foods enjoy yourself the higher quality food you consume the higher your metabolic function will be naturally yeah yeah no it makes perfect sense because it's not processed it's going to break down easier mm -hmm. in the stomach like it's gonna it's gonna help make sure that you know your your body's not fighting to work for what it's trying to get um no i think that's huge as far as like questions go i feel like we covered everything that i wanted to dive into luke is there any follow-up that you had on any of those questions absolutely um <laughs> but i, I want to back up just a little bit with and kind of talk more like same what scott was doing with like some more specific examples but the two that came to my mind was and i'll ask one at a time like when you're going through gut health protocol, whatever it might be, but you're having that conversation with someone that we would consider like gin pop, like they're just, they're working nine to five, they're stressed out because maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck. How are you having those conversations and explaining the benefits to them? Mm -hmm. So I like to approach it like this. Imagine functioning optimally in your gut and what that will do for your daily life experience. If your gut health is in order, that means you're going to be happier. You're going to have greater output. You're going to be feeling better in general, which will then help your body work towards its goals easier, right? So if you're fueled well, if I'm about to take an exam or I'm about to do some high cognitive output work, and my gut is a wreck, I am not going to perform very well. And that's going to, that's going to trickle into all parts of my life. Right. So if you want to be successful in anything, you need to feel good and how you feel good always comes back to how is my digestive system working? Gotcha. Well, even like if, if, if you take like, you know, in this hustle culture that we're in nowadays, like you said, like somebody who's nine to five, if you do not prioritize your health, it does not matter what else you're doing in the world. Like you could be working your butt off, but at some point your body is going to shut down on itself. Mm -hmm. So like, does it, does it set you back to take the next six months? So, okay. I already know that I'm strapped paycheck to paycheck. What are some of the things that I can cut out of my lifestyle habits or my extracurricular activities to really focus on and make sure that mm -hmm. I'm taken care of so that I don't have to worry about this and I can build these good habits you know, and so I think at that point, it becomes a lot of a, like a mentality thing too. And understanding like, you know, you have one body, right? Like mm -hmm. you only have a limited amount of time with it. So should I take care of it or should I run it into a light pole like a car? Like, mm -hmm. Right. And even if you're financially strapped, you can still find healing. I work mm -hmm. with patients of all uh, income types and those who, who don't have the money for supplementation, that's okay because you can still find healing. You can make an excuse or you can you can do what you need to do by consuming better foods. You know, bananas, they're 10 cents. I mean, I probably inflammation is 25 cents now, banana. <laughs> but that's still that's still affordable. You can still find affordable foods. You don't have to eat organic, you don't have to eat grass-fed to find healing, although it's going to exacerbate your healing process. Right. It, it, you don't, it doesn't have to be cut out the Cheetos and Doritos and the drive throughs and all that. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, you have to, you have to come to terms of, you know, are you sick of your own shit? Like we talked about in the last podcast, because you <laughs> can afford it. Tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can afford it. <clears throat> I love it. And then my, the second half of that question is, cause I think we've all been there at least at some point in our lives being in the fitness industry, you get, you get a bodybuilder that is so focused on their food and maybe it's off season. They're trying to get for a male four or 5,000 calories in cause it's bulking season mm-hmm. getting ready for next, but you're talking gut health and what we've talked about a lot of is like eliminating things and it makes that process a lot more difficult. How are you having that conversation with the bodybuilders? Yeah. Yeah, I I do. I have that conversation. (laughs) If we have to do a gut healing protocol, I try and, um, you know, be fluid with my recommendations. You know, if, if I'm suspectful that a patient has maybe, uh, um, inflammation due to brown rice consumption or something, I'll pull them into AIP in a mild form, right? So I'm like, you're going to, I really want you to push sweet potato a lot. Mm. You know, it's gentler on your gut. Please let's reduce the rice, increase the sweet potato. I know it, it, it functions a little bit differently, but you're going to feel a lot better. I had a, Mm. I had an Olympian who was retaining water and, um, she, all I did was I asked her, can we switch from chicken um, and beef to bison and Cornish game hen and some fish, low sulfur and, and just changing the, the protein. Um, she dropped seven pounds of water weight in three days. Wow. So it's all, it's unique, of course, for each competitor um, but for her, her liver was congested because of all the sulfur containing foods, eggs, you know, chicken, all high sulfur. So we eliminated that. She can keep her rice. She can keep her other, the other things, um, mm. that are required for prep diet. Um, you know, I added a little aloe and some lemon water and she was like, Oh my God. what the <laughs> Yeah. So kind of depends on the competitor. Got it. No, I mean, that totally makes sense. And no, that, those, those were the main questions that popped up of how it applies to those two different bo- uh, body mm-hmm. types, but uh, different populations yeah. of people. Yeah. yeah. Different eating cultures. <laughs> For sure. Um, I, you know, <clears throat> luckily, like I got to learn from you for the nine, 10 months that, that we were together. And, and, you know, like I said, the last time around, like, when we had downtime, I would just sit and pick her brain. And so like, this was so fun to kind of go in and kind of revamp the conversations that we had had and kind of dive into those a little bit in a, in a deeper light. So, you know, I really hope that this was beneficial for it, for anybody who gets to hear this, because it's, I'm still mind blown even after having these conversations time and time again with her and just the, <laughs> to, to dive in and kind of water down insane information. Like it does not matter how smart you are. If you cannot convey that information to people in a way that makes sense. Right. And so taking some of these higher level concepts, like again, I'm still mind blown. Like it's, it's just so cool. The human body is an incredible thing and we just have to take care of it better. And it's it all fun. starts from that we put into it. Like it's- it all, Full circle. It is yeah. full circle. 
two conversations. And we have to, you know, I, I counsel on this a lot. People have this weird relationship with their healing, you know, mm. it's like, yeah, I mean, initially your healing might be a little uncomfortable, but you really do have to fall in love with it because you're going to be here for a little while. And if you're going to fight the process of healing, um, you know, you're going to be uncomfortable here for a little while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why not fall in love with what can I do at all times to help my body function better? How can I improve always? So, you know, a little bit at a time, but, you know, I can always support anybody who needs help. They can reach out to me. I can tell you why we can do this sustainably, affordably. (laughs) Just in case they didn't hear the last episode, where can people find you? How can people find you? Instagram. I I prefer Instagram. My Instagram is dr.indigovasquez. Yeah. I love it. And then, and Scott, I know that you might have to pop off here in a second. So no worries on that. But Dr. Andy, I wanted to also ask, like, how, how does this process work for like virtual clients? Like Mm -hmm. uh, I'm out here in North Carolina, you're in Colorado, or Mm -hmm. I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm in Denver. Yeah, so I will, it's, I just um, set up Zoom calls. Uh, It's the same thing that I I would still do a DNA scan um, on all my patients. Um, I'd want a hair tissue mineral analysis on my patients. Um, and then we'd set up a Zoom call and we'd, we'd you know, treat anywhere in the country. Got it. And I had a question that I didn't ask last time. Are people able to use insurance when working with you? No, unfortunately. No, it's, it's pretty restrictive. Yeah, I was going to say there's probably something with going to a holistic doctor versus a Western medicine doctor where they can just plug and plug and plug. Yes, Uh, I want to. Yes, I don't want I want to have the freedom to do what I need to do to help my patient heal. (laughs) No, for sure. And it, it makes you a lot like Scott was saying, a lot less restrictive because you have to be approved by said insurance as a Mm-hmm. So if somebody had Blue Cross and somebody had Aetna and one doesn't cover you, they can't work with you. Now you right. can work with anybody. Right. And we make it affordable. You know, I don't charge this outlandish. I know doctors will do like a $5,000 package. And it's like, no, I, I want healing should be allowed to be, be attained by anybody from anywhere, any, mm-hmm. any income bracket, you know? So we, I try and make it as attainable as I possibly can. Love that. And does anybody have any final closing remarks on this episode? No, we're going to need to do another episode. <laughs> and we're going to have to. I think we could talk about sleep cycles. We could talk about <laughs> substances that people are taking and how it mm-hmm. affects all parts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's just there's so much that I just want to dive in into your brain on. Yeah. I, I think we should do an episode on how someone can take themselves through a gut healing <laughs> protocol at home. So we'll I go love through. It. that way they, you know, we'll have the, the four hour approach, which I I'd like to talk about um, sometime. We didn't even get into that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. There's a lot we can talk about. Dang it. But you have the information. And so we can use that, um, you know, and we can, we can give that to our listeners. It's a, just a general, very safe guide on how to help yourself, mm-hmm. help, help thyself. <laughs> For sure. And so ep- 
everybody episode three tune mm-hmm. in gut yeah. health protocol we <laughs> we are going through it let's do At it i love it yeah well scott you gotta get going yeah i will um you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend as always it's a pleasure love your brain indy like i i can't wait to just sit and ask more questions such- you're awesome thank you <laughs> <laughs> i just want to be a sponge and just soak up everything <laughs> That's the that's a indication Scott. of a yeah a wisdomed person always knows that they know nothing right exactly <laughs> I yeah I'm I'm right there with you so I'm saying same, same. I, I can learn more and and kind of soak up information and be able to relay it to my clients too so that they have a better understanding is just yes well, let me know how I can support your your peeps absolutely I appreciate you guys love the conversation as always. And I will be super stoked for episode three when we can figure out <laughs> yeah. how to do this at home. For awesome. sure. All right. Later, well, Scott. I will see you soon. And then Indy, we're still live. Yes. I, I do want, I, I think it's a good opportunity just to close this out. I know we had this conversation last time. I know Scott started getting into it, but I want to bring it up one last time. Mm-hmm. How do people get in touch with you? What does that process look like? Yeah, so I am, like I said, I prefer Instagram just because it's a good, I like to teach on Instagram, as you know. Mm -hmm. So follow me. I'm not an influencer. I'm just trying to help people understand that they can get better um, on their own. So follow me on Instagram reach out to me, send me a direct message on Instagram. Um, if you have questions or concerns, that's a, it's a great platform to start the conversation. And then I can give you my contact information after, if you're wanting to set up, um, sometimes I'll do a 15 minute just meet and greet if they have questions or concerns um, before we actually progress into a healing program. I love it. That's perfect. And for anyone watching again, that's going to be below her. You'll, and if you're not watching and you're just listening, it'll be in the link in the description. Don't you worry. And Indy, I really appreciate this episode. We, again, didn't even get into everything that we wanted to. <laughs> so I love the episode three. I'm sure there'll be an episode four. We're going to just keep on going. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to. This is fun, you know. We're just trying to help. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I get to be a part of the team. I'm glad that you and Scott can bounce questions off of each other. And I'm just sitting here mind blown like the entire time. I'm taking so many notes. Yeah. He's my brother. So we've been, <laughs> we've been doing this thing for a while now, several years, you know, so wow, it's good. It's good to bounce information uh, off of each other. You should be debating uh, all data all the time. <laughs> Don't take my word for it. Right. I'd love for, for you sure. to try and take my word for it, but always come at me with something you know, if you don't agree, please well, let's debate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll say you should always question any information and find right. out for yourself. Yes. And a good doctor will say that, right? Yes, a good doctor a will say, doctor I will. encourage you to figure this out with me. Mm-hmm. A, a great doctor will always encourage a second opinion, mm-hmm. right? Whether okay. it's Western medicine or <laughs> natural medicine. Right. All of it. All of it. Awesome. But Indy, 
Thank you again. I think it's time to close us out, unfortunately. It's okay. So, we'll we'll so book say, some time. <laughs> absolutely, we will. So say bye to the people, Indy. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to episode eight of the Helpful Huddle podcast, where we interview Dr. Indigo Vasquez about the importance of gut health. Remember to give us a like and a follow on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter with the user handle at helpful underscore huddle and the YouTube channel at Helpful Huddle Podcast. You are also able to listen to us on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The links are also found in the description below. Please reach out with your questions on topics that you would like to learn about in the future.